Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. And Mary, we are definitely missionaries right now. We're- we have embarked... On, I was going to say a hellacious, but it's a heavenly lacious 10 weeks, haven't it we? It is. Our, our, our bodies feel it, or at least my body feels it just a little bit. But you know, Father John, I can't think of anything that's more life-giving um, than doing what we're doing, Yep. quite honestly. We hit the road Friday. We have a little revival on Saturday down in Atlanta. We're with the priests this week uh, on retreat. Yes, so we are. pray for them. Yes, pray for our brothers. And if you're trying to reach us, uh, be patient. We are Almost nonstop on the road from now until Thanksgiving. 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 Yeah, right. breathe deep. Okay, so take us in. What's our topic? So our topic today is everything is at stake. Everything's at stake. So a quick word before I pray. This is uh, probably going to be a long podcast. I, I have no idea, but I'm guessing simply because of what we're going to cover, the scripture, which are is so alive, and then the topic, which is so difficult. And so, I don't know, maybe this is something that people can get halfway through on the way to work or whatnot, but uh, we, we pray the Spirit's just going to guide this. This is These are really challenging readings. And if we don't experience that, I would just suggest we're not listening. So with that said, let's dive in. Ask the Holy Spirit to be with us, huh? Amen. Father John. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do ask for uh, your Holy Spirit to be upon us right now to hear both what you want to say to us, and perhaps most especially the tone of voice that you want to say it to us with. Father, you alone have access to our hearts and to our minds and for many of us to our pasts. We all have things which uh, many people know nothing about, perhaps no one knows anything about. And you know, Lord, how we struggle to forgive, to be merciful, to be gracious, how prone we are to hold grudges, even to want revenge. And so, Father, we ask that you would help us to understand more profoundly what it is that Jesus has done for us. And as we have freely received, to freely give it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the, the Father. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So yeah, so our so the the reading that we're going to break open today is from the book of Sirach. So I'll read it real quick and then we'll kind of take it from there. Can I can I just do something quick? Normally sure. we talk because I think what we want to do is we want to go from the first reading to the gospel. Right. We are I, I again just love people sending things in saying how much they're enjoying what we're doing with the podcast, it might be worth just saying something really fast about like, what in the world is Sirach? And then let you read it. It, Can I do that real quick? Sure. So Sirach's one of these books that's got a lot of names. So it's also known as Ecclesiasticus, which is not Ecclesiastes. It's known as something like the church's little book. And it was used um, widely by the early church in catechesis, many of the church fathers wrote about it. Our Protestant brothers and sisters uh, do not have it in their Bible. It's often considered to be apocryphal. But in fact, uh, it looks like the Jews at the time of Jesus 
uh, considered it to be inspired. It is found in the, amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. It probably originally appeared in Hebrew. Uh, and if you're looking for a date, it's um, it's probably originally something like 200 BC. And by the time we get the copy that we get, it's something more like 130 BC. It's a it's included in every single Greek translation of what's called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Bible, which is what uh, we would call the Old Testament, which is what Paul used, and it's what Jesus quotes from an awful lot. So that's a quick word on Sirach for those of us who are wondering, like, what's a Sirach? Now, that silly little thing noted. No, Take that's really important, word. Father. I appreciate you doing that. And and I personally have always found Sirach to be like this book that's just filled with like kernels of wisdom. Mm. Yeah. And you can take one line from any part of Sirach and pray with it deeply because there's so much instruction there, so much wisdom there. So, and, and, it, and that's the case for this week too. Love it. Take us away. Okay, here we go again. So this is from the book of Sirach. So wrath and anger are hateful things. Yet the sinner hugs them tight. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance for he remembers their sins in detail. Forgive your neighbor's injustice. Then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Could anyone refuse mercy to another like himself? Can he seek pardon for his own sins? If one who is but flesh cherishes wrath, who will forgive his sins? Remember your last days. Set enmity aside. Remember death and decay and cease from sin. Think of the commandments. Hate not your neighbor. Remember the Most High's covenant and overlook faults. Yeah, so I don't know about you. I hear that and it's like, okay, stop, 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 stop. (laughs) Like, just keep stopping with almost every word. Just like you said at the beginning, Sirach is, is... I, I would equate it almost to a scalpel. It's like every sentence here just penetrates and pierces and oftentimes causes pain, right? For many of us, because I think if many of us are, if all of us are honest, please God will acknowledge we have a hard time forgiving certain people in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Right? A- absolutely, Father John. And there is not a wasted word in this entire passage. Yeah, so if you're not driving right now, what you might want to do is just hit pause and reread this passage. It's Sirach chapter 27, verse 30 through chapter 28, verse 7, and then come back. Because I think this is one of those places where um, we just want to linger with the Word of God and let Him speak to us and just to ask Him very directly. Sometimes we read the Old Testament or we hear it proclaimed at Mass we're like, I don't know what this has to do with me. This is it's not one clear. of those this times. This is very clear. <laughs> like, if, if you think there's nothing uh, relatable here, um, you're not listening. So, And if you're reading this from your Magnificat and you happen to have a pencil with you or a pen, you're probably underlining every single word. Yeah, you you highlight lots of things when you read, and this whole thing's in yellow. So um, not it's not all of it, but there's it's quite a like bit. It's kind of like a Peter book. I love it. <laughs> so just a quick reminder for everybody. So the Sunday readings are aligned in such a way that the Old Testament and the Gospel are tied together. In some weeks, that's somewhat obvious, and other weeks, it's very obvious. This, this week, week, it's a very obvious. And because it is, let's pause for a second and read the gospel as well. And then I want to break open the gospel, and you and I can just talk about that. And then we'll return to make some comments about Sirach 
and about what the Lord's saying to us in both Sirach and Matthew. So I'm going to ask you, read the, the copy that's, or the translation that we're going to hear at Mass on Sunday, which unfortunately is a terrible translation. Okay. Would you mind? Now I'm all excited about that. <laughs> so this is a reading from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. So Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all of his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did a homage and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, Pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, his master handed him over to the tortures until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. Well, that needs a lot of unpacking there, Padre. Just linger with that last line, huh? So Mm. will my heavenly father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. That's why everything's at stake. Right. I don't know about you. I, you know, sometimes I, I hear the Lord say to me in prayer, like, yes, I am kind. Yes, I am gracious. Yes, I am merciful. Um, don't play with me. <laughs> um, like, th- these are my words right here. So I, I'm not a cute kitten, um, as C.S. Lewis would say. He's a lion, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so obviously from even just first glance with as lame a translation as we have, um, we get the point. We've been forgiven a huge amount and other people owe us a much smaller amount. But that's not what Jesus is. It's more than what, it's much more than that, right? And I don't know why it is that we translate the scriptures this way. I don't know if someone just thought like, no one's going to be able to understand this, so let's just dumb it down. Jesus does not say that the first person owes a huge amount. And he doesn't say that the second person owes a much smaller amount. Jesus says the first person who stands for me, stands for you, stands for each and every one of us listening right now. He owes this master, who is the Lord, obviously, 10,000 talents. Now you might go, well, that's not helpful. And it's not because we're 21st century Americans, at least most of us listening. But Jesus chooses this number very deliberately. 10,000 is the largest number used in reckoning at his time. And a talent 
is the largest currency unit in the Near East. This is the largest amount imaginable. It's not a huge amount. It's an insane amount. It's unpayable. Yeah, so Josephus, who's a, a Jewish historian who's writing a little bit after the time of Jesus, he says that a talent equals 10,000 denarii. A denarii is a daily wage. So one talent equals 10,000 days pay. That's 27 years. This man owes 10,000 talents. That's 100 million, million denarii, 100 million days pay. That's, if you're counting at home, 273,000 plus years. That's an absurd amount. I get the point. <laughs> I think I, think I, I get, get the, the point. point. Wow. And that man's me. And me. And that man's you. That man's it's each us. and every one of us. And so what happens? The man falls down in front of the king and he says, give me time, I'll pay you back. No, we can't. He can't pay him back. You don't live 273,000 years. You can't pay back that amount. What's that mean? I cannot possibly repay what God has done for me in Jesus. One of the things Jesus does on the cross is he makes atonement for each and every one of us. It's one of the things that he does, right? We have no concept of what Jesus has forgiven. He has obliterated, canceled, Paul says in Colossians, the debt that you and I owed God in an unpayable amount. That's me. And, and, and the king didn't go, okay, I'll give you time. The king said, you know what? Give me your debt. And he tears it up. Talk about mercy. Unimaginable mercy. You know what? Just forget the whole thing. That's, that's what God says to us in essence, right? And it, and it cost him his life. Then this man in the parable, forgiven this unpayable amount, runs into somebody who owes him, quote unquote, a much smaller amount. Nope. Jesus says he owes him 100 denarii, which means 100 days pay, which means three months pay. Well, that's actually payable. And this guy does the exact same thing as the first guy does. He falls down and says, give me time and I'll pay you back. Except in his case, he actually could pay him back. And the man says, no. And the king finds out and he's furious. I forgave you your entire debt, God says to us. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? And then we know what happens after, right? So the point's clear, right? I mean, have people hurt me? Yes. Have people hurt you? Yes. Sometimes, again, in ways that some people, like, I know you hear lots of things from people, and as a priest, I hear so many things in people's lives. I hear things that just make me wonder, how in the world are you normal after what you've shared with me, after what's happened to you, whatever that means to be normal? Like, how are you functioning? after what's going on in you. And and those are real pains. I mean, like, people have really done us wrong. I don't want to say otherwise. What Jesus is saying is not, hey, that was nothing. What he's saying is, what God has forgiven me is greater than anything that anybody owes will me. Ever, will ever do. Right. And I have received extraordinary mercy. And unless I show the same mercy... Towards 
the, the one who's hurt me, because it's easy to forgive those who I love, right? Towards the one who's hurt me, then it will not end well for me on that very real day when I stand in front of Jesus. What's on my mind, Father John, as I'm listening to you talk is uh, forgetfulness. And the reason I'm thinking about that is because um, when we go to confession, we, we, we take some, we take our serious stuff there, right? All of our sins, all of our failings, right? No matter what, whether it's mortal, venial, sin is sin, right? right? We, um, every thought, every word that's not held captive. And we, and we take that to the, to the sacrament of confession. And what I'm thinking about is the, the disposition of the soul when we come out of confession, what you have is this extraordinary gratitude that you have the grace to begin again. All that I've just taken there to the Lord, he has forgiven me. So as often as we go to confession, no matter what that frequency is, we, sh- we should leave and we do leave with this overwhelming sense of relief and gratitude. But over time, what happens is I forget. Like all manner of forgetfulness comes over me and I forget and it's so easy to step into that next encounter and forget what I've just been forgiven and not to bear with another. Or it's, it's, it can be all too easy to go back and call to mind a really heavy thing that you think you have forgiven someone. Perhaps maybe you haven't because it's still there. But we forget. What's so incredible about these readings is that, especially as you break open the cost, the talents, denarii, wages, all of that, is the weightiness of it all. And I only know what God has saved me from. Mm-hmm. And it's much. Yeah, and, and I would and just... And how I forget that so easily. Yeah, and, and I, I would just say a special word to the... So you have a very delicate conscience. Conscious. Conscience. Wow, say that five times. Yeah, you have a very delicate conscience. I know this. And some of it's through your suffering and you're just standing face to face with death through the battles that you've gone through in life and like preparing to meet the Lord. My experience as a priest is most people don't. I don't think most people have a clue what God's forgiven them. I think most of us look at the cross and go, I don't think I needed that. I'm not that bad. Like I'm not Saddam Hussein. I'm not Adolf Hitler. I'm not Heinrich Himmler. I'm not that bad. The reality is I am that bad. (laughs) Like no one has any hope. And so one of the things that I think Jesus is trying to do with some of us is like grab us by the shoulders ever so gently and say, listen up. This means you. One of the lessons I think he wants to to teach some of us, maybe not remind some of us, teach some of us is I want to show you how dire your situation was. This is why we talk in the Rescue Project about being slaves to sin and death. Like, I am stuck. Every one of us is. I don't care if you have a a horrific past or you don't think you have a horrific past. The reality is you are still, we all were, enslaved to sin and bound by death and in Satan's grip and in hell's grip, and that was the end of it. And God delivered us from that. He rescued us from that. And he wants us to be confronted by the price that he paid on the cross because he didn't just tear up the bill. He actually covered the bill with his blood, which was made possible by him becoming a man, the creator of the universe, 
and hiding underneath the veil of human flesh. That's how much God loves me, that he would go to that extent to forgive me, who am, who am dust and ashes. And then he says, look what I've done for you. So that's the first thing I think the Lord wants to do. He just wants to, for those of us who are like, well, I don't, I don't think I've really been forgiven all that much. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> but, but you know what I think is a critical point too? And if I'm getting ahead of your thoughts, you know, let me know. Just interrupt me. Do we really know what forgiveness is? Because sometimes I think we have in our minds, like we think we know what forgiveness is, but I think it's important to know what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Yeah, so talk, talk, talk about, about what about, it isn't. Yeah, well, I love that. So, so um, I don't think that forgiveness is forgetting. Absolutely not. You're, you're spot right, on. Right, like, because I just don't even know that it's human possible. Forgive and forget. We all hear that all the right. time. It's not and, possible. And I just don't think that's possible. I think uh, because it's in our our memories. And there's a way that we can deal with memories. There's all manners of healing and all of that. Deliverance, like all of that. We can we can pray with that. But it's in our it's in our mind. So it's it is it's not saying that what happened isn't a big deal, and it doesn't mean forgetting what happened that there yep. was an injustice there. Yeah, and and it has absolutely nothing to do with feelings. Right. 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 Yeah, it's an act of the will. Right. It's an act right? of the will. But just a thought. You know, this is I don't know if this will resonate with you. I have found Mary to be the Blessed Virgin Mary the best model for me of. Um, the whole idea of forgetting, forgiving and forgetting and how absurd that is for most of us. So what do I mean by that? Mary lives however many years she lives before she's assumed into heaven after Jesus's ascension. And every single day, because she lives in an occupied country, Mary sees Roman soldiers like every day, all day long. And every time she sees a Roman soldier, she has to be tempted not, not tempted. She has to remember what they did to her son, how he was stripped naked, uh, tied to a post, scourged to the point of death, crowned with thorns, nailed to a cross, laughed at, spat upon, all those things. Every time she sees one, she has to remember that, which means every time she sees one, she has to make a choice to forgive again. Did she forgive way back then? Yep. And the thought comes to mind again as she sees the person and she has to choose again. And so it is for us. Every time I remember, you know, a, a, something comes into my mind from my past, I, I come across an individual, I have an opportunity again to choose to forgive again in that moment. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes a, a lot of sense. In fact, you and I just had a conversation about that very thing that you just talked about last week. When the memories come back, what do you do with that? Right. And I heard someone say years ago that when when a when a person comes to mind, no matter what that person is, and it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that we need to extend forgiveness to, we have a choice. We can bless that person, lift a prayer for them, or we can curse that person. And I think to do nothing is, is to curse that person. So the Lord brings someone to your mind, you bless that person. And in yep. a particular way, when it's that person that has called you that, that has caused you great harm or something or great harm or not so great harm, whatever it is, I love the intentionality there, their yeah. father that you just mentioned. And, and and then one more thought. As you were breaking open like like our ladies 
confrontation daily for the rest of her life, the presence of Roman soldiers. That just almost makes me want to buckle at my knees. And it makes me realize too, like I have someone who can advocate and pray for me and intercede for me Mm -hmm. when I struggle to forgive. Dearest, blessed mother, Mm -hmm. pray for me that I can forgive as you did. Yep, that's right. And she forgave so much more than... That's right. She's the perfect model of the disciple, right? So so forgiveness isn't forgetting. It's not a feeling. And it's not saying, hey, no big deal. I mean, Jesus from the cross is hardly saying to me, hey, no big deal. He's going, look, look at what it's taking to forgive you, right? What is it? It's an act of the will. I think the best way to describe forgiveness is it's impossible. It's just impossible on our own. I was going to say, without God's grace, it's not possible. It's one of those things I can't do. In fact, I'm remembering, I think it's Kiko Arguello, who's the founder of um, the Neocatechumenate Way who went through a profound conversion and then he was doing ministry in the slums in Madrid and he was seeing absolutely massive conversions there like pimps and prostitutes healing and reconciling drug gangs, reconciling in, in the, if, if at least the way I've heard the story, like the Cardinal Archbishop called him in one day and more or less just said, what in the world are you doing and how are you doing this? <laughs> like amazing things are happening. How are you doing this? And his response was, if I remember, People need signs of faith that do not require faith. In other words, people need indications of something that only God can do, even though they don't believe in God. And when they see it, they go, only God can do that. Right. It causes them to stop, take note, question. So it's something that they behold in front of them, which makes them go, you know, I don't believe in God, but... That's not, possible. That's not possible. Therefore, God must be real. And he said there's two signs of faith that don't require faith, real unity and forgiveness. Because we want revenge. <laughs> I want you to pay. That's how most of us would feel deep down. We don't want to say that out loud, but you hurt me, I hurt you. That's our like culture, that's, Father John. That's our culture because that's what's in my flesh, right? That's what's in all of our flesh. You're just holier than the rest of us. But I mean, <laughs> but, but that's how we are my deep down. My confessor knows, knows better. And I heard, a, I heard a, a deacon friend of mine, I thought this was a great expression. He says, you know, to forgive somebody is to be able to say to them, you don't owe me anything. Mm. And that's really what Jesus is saying in the gospel. You don't owe me anything. Mm. Yes, you've hurt me really badly, actually. But you don't owe me anything. In fact, the alternative to that is I want you to pay. And if I stand on my rights and want you to pay back what you owe me, then what Jesus is saying is then my father will do the same to you. I don't want that. None of us want that. You know, I'm thinking about Paul's letter uh, his first letter to the Corinthians, I'm thinking of St. John of the Cross, where, where, where both these saints of God speak about love. And St. John of the Cross says in the, in the twilight of our lives, we will be judged on one thing. Did we love? Hmm. And St. Paul, uh, when, he, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, he says, love does not brood over injury. So it all goes back to at least uh, my sinfulness goes back to I have not loved well. But I'm thinking about if, if I go back to like um, John of the Cross, you know, at the end of our life, we will be judged on one thing. Did we love? Just insert, did we forgive? Absolutely. Did we forgive? Because right. it's all a matter 
of love anyway, and all sin, right? It's just a failed a failure to love well. Yep. That's right. Right. So and, and, and one of the things that I love, right? The the, the scriptures are so realistic, right? So <laughs> The Pharisees come to Jesus and ask questions about um, uh, divorce. Is it, you know, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? And there's this kind of like raging debate going on. There's a r- rigorous side. There's a lax side. And Jesus says, no, there's, there's no grounds for divorce. At which point his disciples look at him and say, if that's the case, it's better not to marry. I mean, that's a really human response. You mean one man, one woman for life, no matter what. And Jesus is like, yes. Yeah. And so here too, what do you see? We see Peter going to Jesus going, Lord, this guy's ticking me off. How often do I have to forgive him? Seven times? And the Lord's like, no. And then 77 times means stop counting. Right. So this is us. And so some of us right now are going, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't, you don't mean the person who sexually abused me when I was a kid, do you? Yes. The man who raped me. Yes. The person who's trafficked my daughter. Yes. The person who killed, you know, you name the situation. Yes. The Lord is telling me I have to forgive everybody. Everything. Now, you, you always make the point, which is so important here. There's a big distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Right. So, and I think uh, Dr. Tim Keller, who I know both you and I love, he's now with the Lord. He wrote a book um, on on forgiveness, and, and he just makes it this clear distinction that um, th- th- there's this interior act of the will, right, to forgive, but it doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation's going to follow because reconciliation requires two parties, two people to come together, and so think of someone who. Um, you're having a conversation with and you step into that moment of forgiveness and there's a mutual forgiveness there present in that conversation. But when you talk about, okay, now that we have, now, now that we've stepped into this, can we now talk about, pray about reconciliation? We have to be really, really open to the reality that that other person might say, no, I'm not open to that. But what we can have peace with is we can still pray for that. We can still right. ask the Lord for that in prayer. But we have done that which we which love demands. That's right. Which God is asking of us. And so for those of us who were listening who aren't reconciled with those um, with those that we're at odds with, that doesn't mean you still can't step out and forgive. Is, is yeah, don't that right? The, absolutely. Don't, that, no, do not let the you. enemy take that and say you haven't forgiven. That that's that's the only way you know you haven't forgiven is if you want somebody to pay. Right. Right. So really important point. There's some of the people that did some of the things to me when I was young, like I, I, we're not going bowling. I don't want to hang out with you. At least not this side of the grave, but I've forgiven you. As a friend of or, mine says, it doesn't mean we can have lunch. Yeah. We're not doing lunch. <laughs> not this side of heaven. Right. Um, but, but I do have to make sure my hands are not around your throat anymore. Because you know what, Father John, we talk about this all the time. It, we forgive, first of all, because it frees us. It, right. it, it frees us so as to be free for everything else that the Father's inviting us to put our hands to. That's right. It brings us freedom right. from bitterness and anger and all of that. And, d- d- you know, I, I, I'm just, I want to go back to something that I, I mentioned earlier. I was just thinking about, you were talking about those 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 two elements that don't require uh, 
faith and, and you said unity and forgiveness. And we're living in a culture right now where everything is allowed, everything is permitted, and virtually nothing is forgiven. And I'm just sitting here thinking about, imagine your, your sphere of influence, your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, your home, our country, the impact of forgiveness on this culture, mm-hmm. at least in our, absolutely in, 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 in this country. In our parishes. Um, imagine, I, and I think forgiveness is, is, a, is a precursor, is the first step to achieving real unity. Yeah, and so let me, but, even as you're saying that, so here's the thought, because we easily project this out into the culture. Here's what should be happening in our parishes. The sign of peace has become this trite little, hey, turn to the person next to you, who you like, and shake their hand. What should be happening at the sign of peace is you, you see the person in the parish who's sitting, you know, like 50 yards away who you know you're not at peace with, and you go right then to that person. Imagine if that would happen in our parishes this Sunday. People actually got up from their pews, saw somebody there who they, who they had something against, and they walked up and just said, Jesus says, peace be with you. God bless you. And even as we're talking, two, two vignettes in human history come especially to mind. The one is St. Stephen and St. Paul. Mm-hmm. The other is St. Maria Gretti and Blessed Alessandro. So for those of us right now who are sitting there going, I don't know that I can do this. Well, the answer is you can't on your own, but you're not on your own. God's in you and the saints are interceding. And these two saints, Stephen and Maria, are amazing intercessors for forgiveness. And I love, you know, the, on the Feast of St. Stephen, the day after Christmas, there's this beautiful reading that more or less says, Stephen got his revenge on Saul <laughs> for stoning him to death by praying for him. Mm-hmm. And now Stephen greets Saul in heaven as his brother and his friend. Mm. That only God can enable that. And then Maria Gretti, who's this, you know, uh, remarkable young Italian girl who's um, threatened to be raped by this man, Alessandro, who comes after her and then ends up stabbing her multiple times. Um, she dies and appears to him while he's in prison, offering him her forgiveness. Yeah. And then. He ends up, this guy who went from a, you know, obviously a lustful man and a very violent man um, who the prison, because he went, went through this amazing transformation in prison after this encounter with Maria Gretti in a vision, the, the, the wardens want to kick him out. Like, you need to leave here. You're, you're a saint. <laughs> and he says, no, I need to stay here. And they finally got rid of him. And the first thing he did as he left prison is he went to a, woman's house, knocked on the door. She opened the door and he says, do you remember me? And it's Maria's mom. Mm -hmm. And she says, yes, I remember you. And I've forgiven you because Maria's forgiven you. And they went to mass that night because it was Christmas Eve. And then she adopted him. And now this man is a blessed and soon to be canonized. This is what God can do. Only, only. Only God. And, and so for those of you who are listening right now and, and you think like this is just really a naive conversation, like it's just not possible, I just want to go back to, to the topic of our conversation because everything 
is at stake. Hmm. The Lord says to you, Father John, and he says to me, and he says to all of you, our dear friends, the Lord says to us today, forgive everyone, everything, all the time, no matter what. Amen. Gosh, we just praise and thank God for the gift of his word. We thank you for hard words. Lord, we thank you that you speak to our hearts. Just continue to, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict us of where we stand with our brothers and sisters, uh, where there may not be peace, and inspire us to reach out. And as you're listening to this right now, if you're feeling overwhelmed, afraid, stuck, hopeless, do not be afraid. The God who commands us to do this is with us. And we were born for this. Mm -hmm.